Hey, you found us. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast. It is a special bowl edition of the Ben and Matt Sportscast. I'm Ben Glixman with my tag team partner, Matt Story. And Matt, the Sun Devils on Saturday are taking on the number 21 ranked Fresno State Bulldogs in the Las Vegas Bowl. Yep, yep. Uh, always, uh, I mean, glad we get to have one more game. But uh, yeah, we, you know, we spend about eight plus months looking ahead to games and the season goes pretty fast to, you know, three months and and then you're looking at the last one and, you know, we got one more and then all of a sudden, soon enough, we'll be talking spring practice. But yeah, before that and sooner than normal, yeah, we'll be talking say, spring quite practice. Soon. As Greg yeah, Haller yeah. said, it feels like uh, that's only three weeks away. It's, yeah, it's, it's going to be a quick seven, but spring, spring look ahead. But yeah, we'll, we'll, we should discuss that because it's got some unique advantages to it. Um, but yeah, you know, uh, one, one more game to go, a game that, uh, you know, quite honestly, doesn't, doesn't feel like it means a ton because it doesn't. Um, and maybe we're going to get into that as well, just the overall bowls, but, uh, you know, Hey, it's, it's always good to have one extra game. There's certain teams out there that don't and we do. So, you know, we'll enjoy it and see what happens and then start to get ready for 2019. So Fresno state comes in as a, balanced team but they are pass heavy um as a team they don't really turn the ball over much they protect the ball well they are outscoring opponents by an average of three touchdowns this season um yeah but they are you know they are here by virtue of their victory over boise state on december 1st yeah an overtime game on the road yeah um, ASU obviously is going to be without Nikhil Harry, Eno Benjamin, who wound up rushing for 1,524 yards, I think needs under 50 to set the school record. Right. right. Uh, I think so. 42, I want to say, or something like that. Yeah. But named, uh, earlier in the, uh, post regular season, but not quite bowl season period as a, uh, third team, all American. Yeah. But he's going to be joined in the backfield by A.J. Carter, which is part of uh, Herm Edwards' strategy to, I think, appropriately use the uh, redshirt rule, the revised redshirt rule. We're going to see an awful lot of freshmen playing in this game who, you know, in years past would not necessarily have been able to play without playing their redshirt year. Now anyone who's played three or fewer games can play basically without – penalty without yeah i agree i mean and i think it's a you know absolutely a good idea and i think any team that's playing in a in a bowl game um like this outside of outside (laughs) of the playoffs and maybe the rose bowl and those type of games but even those like why would you not you know this is a great opportunity to get some game experience for guys who maybe haven't had any or maybe played a few snaps here or there um and you know non-consequential game times um you know, I mean, this is, yeah, it's a golden opportunity. Uh, I don't know the, the regulations. I mean, conference games, you have, you know, you have rules on how many guys you can dress. I don't know if bowl games even have that. And so, you know, while we've talked about that, like, well, you should be getting these guys some time, you're limited a little bit in conference games because you have to dress the guys that you're going to need. And so you can't have everybody in uniform or, you know, you can only travel so many guys. I don't know if bowls have that, like I said, so I, 
I, you know, might as well. Yeah, I mean, this is this is a game that, like I said at the beginning, doesn't really mean anything in terms of the outcome, but it can mean something in terms of you know player development down the road. Hopefully, this really will be the test to me of you know, are you a process truster when it comes to college football? If you are, yeah. you love the quotes that Herm gave. We're going to play AJ sure. Carter. We're going to play DSC for, you know, something in this game. If you think that the goal is to win championships, then a bowl game on, you know, a mid-December Saturday tells you that you don't need to win this because it's not a championship. Sure, exactly. And, and, and I think that's correct. I mean, you know, you don't go up there, uh, you know, trying to lose, but, but – um, Fresno State's a better team than we are. I think the you know the rankings say that. Uh, the record says that. You know they're a Mountain West team. Big deal. They're uh, favored they're, by they're four points. Team. Yeah, I mean they're they're a better team, and and so you know if you got a chance to win, you try to win the game. But if you don't, especially in the second half, um, it's absolutely a time that you should be getting getting some guys some opportunities. Um, you know, and, and even before the second half, I mean, I, you know, I would not wait necessarily. Um, I mean, now I wouldn't pull everybody, but you know, AJ Carter, uh, I don't know how the kid's name is pronounced. Is it Gordon? Jordan, Jordan, Jordan Jordan Porter. Yeah. Um, you know, guys like that should be playing. I mean, wide receiver, especially you've got your number one receiver who got a whole lot of snaps this year not playing so those reps should be going to the younger guys you know anybody else who's in that mix we've had some other guys that haven't played much uh you know absolutely do that because those could be valuable next august because Nikhil harry ain't going to be here next year manny wilkins ain't going to be here next year so you know you anything you can do to try to you know help the transition a little bit absolutely do it yeah well and it's Really, in all areas, the opportunities to make these moves are there. On the line, offensively, you know, Casey Tucker's done. So yeah. I'm not saying that you take away his last game he might ever get to play. Sure. But what I'm saying is, if you have a series with DSC, why don't we have a series with the guys who we think will be on next year's offensive line? I agree. You I know? agree, yeah, yeah. Just, uh, I'm, I'm with you 100%, and I love that he said that because so many times what you hear from coaches, uh, and we've been through this over the years, is, well, we're, you know, look, we're trying to win the game and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, and yeah, you're trying to win the game, but you keep an eye toward the future as well. And, and I think this is an absolutely golden opportunity to do that. It's also one of the things that's so important about getting the, you know, the bowl eligibility because sure. – you know, Kevin Sumlin gets to dedicate a lot of time to recruiting, which we can talk yes, about what does. a great recruiter he's been since right, his recruit right, just yeah. won the Heisman exactly, for a different yeah. college than he Too bad was he didn't keep him. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, but Herm's recruiting and getting to have practices with a bunch sure. of guys, you know, who could be huge pieces sure, next year sure and fresno state's a good team i mean like i said so so you get good competition for these guys this is not this is not playing against utsa or something like that i mean this is this is a good team that's gonna be look to them it probably matters more i don't know i mean how many 12 win seasons does fresno state have in their maybe none um you know so i'm sure they're they're gunning for something big they're gonna be 
playing hard and uh, they have a really good defense. I mean, that's that's been their calling card since Tedford has gotten there. So just a really, really solid defense group. And so for our offensive guys, it'll be a good test. Uh, you know, I mean, it, it's not just going through the motions against a bad team. It, they'll, they'll give you a good test of what you'll see more often next year. Matt, it's hard to make a prediction in a bowl game because we don't know what they're going to do and what it's going to look like. Here's my prediction for the game, which I I would have very little stock in. Um, I'm going to pick Fresno State 34-24. Yeah, I mean, I I would pick Fresno, and I I think – I don't know that we're going to score too many points on them. They are they are a really good defense, and we don't have our best or second best offensive weapon this year, depending on how you want to rank him and Eno Benjamin. Um, but you know him not being there, that's it's tough to um, change your offense enough on the fly. I mean, we were very dependent on him in the second half of the season to make a lot of plays, get him very involved, and rightly so. But now he's gone, and so I. I would I would say twenty seven to thirteen, something like that. I just I don't think we're gonna score a whole lot on them. Uh your point is well taken about the Fresno State defense. They're averaging less than fourteen points per game against this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean it's it's been uh, since Ted forgot there, which I think was three years ago and he uh his first year, I know he hired a guy, his defensive coordinator, who I think left to go to the CFL after that. He's a, I think he's a head coach at the CFL. But, you know, kind of was a night-day turnaround, and they've kept it going even after he's left. Um, you know, very good defense. they got a quarterback who I, I don't remember if we faced before. He was at Oregon State. I'm not sure Oregon State has played so many quarterbacks, but Marcus McBarian, I believe. Um, you know, so we might have seen him before several years ago. Um but you know it's it's a good team. Like I said, they've earned their spot. They uh, they won at Boise. They they you know very well could have won at Boise earlier in the year. I I know I read I didn't see the game, but there were some there were some shaky calls in that game when they lost at Boise, and that's why they had to go back there rather than play them at home in the conference title game. That time they beat them. So it's it's a very good team. Other than that, they lost a you know a close game to Minnesota in the I think week two or three. But that's it. So it, it's a very solid team that, quite honestly, has you know had a better year than we have, and I think deservedly we are the underdogs. Uh, we did not face McMarion because we were we were Oregon State's miss the two okay. years he was there. Okay, I didn't remember that you know facing him, but it, it, it's hard to remember sometimes mm-hmm. because for a lot of the last few years, Oregon State has not been very good, and so you know the, the guys we played. I think this year we played. Connor Blunt and Jack Coletto or some combination, if I remember the names mm-hmm. correctly. Um, Luton was injured, I know, uh, and he's he's done now. So maybe face those guys again next year. I think we play them again, don't we? Yeah. Or do we miss them? Okay. Yeah, um, so. McMarion, by the way, this year, 3,453 yards, 25 touchdowns yeah. to only three picks. Yeah, he's been good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when he played at Oregon State, he wasn't very good, but he's, he's found a uh, – you know, a nice second life there and, and, you know, been very good for them for, I think, I think he might be a three-year starter for them now. He's been there for a bit. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's a good program. Jeff Tedford, who, you know, was was once the darling of the coaching community, you know, he went to 
went to Cal, had some initial success with, you know, Bowler and Aaron Rodgers. And, and, you know, 2007, they were close to being number one in the country. And it kind of fell apart on him there. But he, he, you know, he got back in the game and has really done a heck of a good job there in uh, three or four years. Uh, underrated, you know, great coaching job that he's done there. Yeah, really returning them to the glory days from, the, yeah. you know, the cars and Pat Hill. That's and- right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they had really slipped uh, a lot, and he's come in and made them made them very relevant. You wonder if it will lead him. It didn't, obviously, this year because most of the jobs have filled. You know, the big jobs. Um, but you wonder if he'll get another opportunity at a at a power five school, um, or maybe this is the place he wants to stay. Who knows? I mean, he's he's an older guy now. Uh, maybe Cal was the you know the peak for him, and he's content to just stay there and. And you know, build a nice program at Fresno. Uh, before I forget, I just wanted to say one of the other uh, pre or postseason awards. Merlin Robertson was named to the twenty four seven Sports True Freshman All American team. Yeah, um, not sure how much stock people put into that, but you know, Trevor <laughs> Lawrence was the hey. quarterback, and that it's one of those things. Better to win than than not. Yeah, win. exactly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's uh, it's it's not exactly something you you know you put in the trophy case on you know the display or anything. But uh, hey, it's it's good to be mentioned in that company. Uh, I think he was also the Pac-12 Defensive Freshman of the Year, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, so yeah, he had a really good year, and uh, I think you know got to expect big things for him the next two years and. Hopefully, if he continues to play this way, it's only two years. Um, you know, you'd love to have a guy like that for four full years, but if he's this good, you accept that he's probably only going to be there three. So if he if he continues on that path, that's great. You know, if he has that opportunity, but yeah, I mean, he's he's a foundational piece for this defense next year. We'll we'll talk a lot about him and and several other of the freshmen that will have to be big contributors next year because likely. We're going to need the defense to take a step forward. The offense could have some, you know, growing to do as the year goes and begins, and we'll need the defense to be able to carry a little more weight next year, I think. I absolutely agree. Um, I think as we transition into next year, um, one of the things you and I had talked about, and it felt like a pipe dream when we were talking about it, and more so now, was the idea of adding Jalen Hurts yeah. Uh, but now it seems like any Division One quarterback transfer is unlikely. Um, I know that Sun Devil Source is reporting um, that, you know, Herm's quote was, if everything works out right. in the early signing period, we won't take a Division One transfer. We have commitments from Joey Yellen and Ethan Long. Uh, <laughs> last time you and I talked, Jaden Daniels was one of the targets for the Sun Devils for the early yep. period. Um, again, bringing in three freshman quarterbacks, having all of them yeah. sign in the early period yeah. seems tough to believe that we could pull it off, but you it know, it does, it does. And I get that kid's supposed to announce on Thursday, right? Mm-hmm. So, so we we'll will, find out, I guess. Yeah. But if he, even if he commits, it's hard to believe Yellen and Long will both stay. It, does. it is. Yeah. Unless, unless there's a, you know, a possible position change in there for somebody. Um, I mean, and I don't know, I, the, uh, Ethan Long, wasn't he, if I remember right, wasn't he a linebacker too or something like yeah, that? Yeah, he's some, the one you know, who's dual threat. Yeah, um, yeah. so I don't know if that's something that, that he would consider. 
um, he wasn't as highly regarded as, as Yellen or obviously Daniels. Um, and so maybe, uh, you know, he's somebody who would, would look at that option. I don't know. Um, you know, you never know. Obviously, recruiting rankings, as we've discussed many, many times, are only worth the paper they're printed on. Um, you know, there's plenty of examples as we've gone through being an ASU fan of guys who were, you know, afterthoughts and they end up being really good and then vice versa. Now there's, there's also the Nikhil Harry's of the world who, you know, they're supposed to be great. They are great. You, you know, you love when those guys work out, but, uh, um, who knows? I mean, uh, you know, I, I guess the idea there is flood the position and, and let the chips fall where they may. If you bring in three, there's absolutely no chance you're keeping all three for probably more than two years max, more realistically one. Um, before the pecking order kind of gets established and somebody leaves. But, you know, you, you throw some bodies at it and you got your returners as well. And, you know, they the best man win next year. It's going to be a big storyline, obviously, the whole offseason, unless we do surprise and get a transfer. But it sounds like we're not interested in that, I guess, um, of who's going to be the quarterback. and probably won't know until that, you know, first week, first game week there in late August. Yeah, you know, it's weird. You know, Herm had a completely open practice for the media the whole time leading into the Bulls. If this was a typical college program in 2019, I would say we would have no idea who the starter is until they trot out for the first snap of the season. But with Herm, you know, for all I know, (laughs) every day we're going to get told this person's ahead, this person struggled, you know. Yeah, you're right. You're right. That's a good point. I mean, I'm, I'm just kind of used to these quarterback battles across the country. You know, uh, you don't know until maybe the middle of August. Um, but yeah, that's that's uh, it's been different uh, under him so far. And uh, you know, I, I've said that I thought that transparency would start to go away as soon as you know struggles came. Well, they didn't really come this year. I mean, they did to an extent, but. You know, this was this was a honeymoon period year. We talked about it before the season. What would the honeymoon period be? Well, this was, you know, seven and five. Everybody feels pretty good. Next year, I don't think that'll be as much the case. So I'll, I'll be curious to see if that welcoming, wide open attitude is still there. Maybe it will be. Uh, he hasn't shown any cracks in that so far, at least. One of the things to think about is also, you know, defining what struggles are. I mean, access cut down. But it wasn't eliminated, and I, no, you know, no. and I just wonder, you know, when you do something like this, oh yeah, come in and watch our bull prep. Well, you know, who who cares if right, you know exactly. what whatever exactly. special wrinkle you have for Fresno State? Yeah, uh, nobody's too concerned about that. I I get the feeling this staff gets it when it comes to bulls. That you know, this is this is a nice. Uh, reward for your players it's a nice you know ability to get some extra practices and extra you know one extra game but we're not gonna overemphasize we have to win this game and I'm, that's okay with me I like that you know if you can use this game to hopefully get better for 2019 and and lose compared to well we gotta do everything we can to win but we don't make any get any progress toward a you know next year's team that's a waste of time as far as I'm concerned yeah, unless, like you said, you're playing on a New Year's Six game. Sure, you, sure. Then it's different, you know. But winning the Las Vegas Bowl is is not, in the long run, going to matter one bit. Uh, very likely, by the time we, you know, get to the opener next year, not many people will remember what happened in that bowl game. Um, 
probably more so by spring practice. And, you know, you play it, it's nice, and by the next day, you've pretty much forgotten it. So, you know, use it for something. Get get something out of it. The win, the loss, doesn't really matter. All right. Well, so there are two ways we can go, but I'm gonna I'm gonna briefly mention both, and whichever way your heart takes you, we'll go that <laughs> okay. way. Okay. Uh, Herm Edwards has announced that ASU is going to open spring practice in yeah. February, which is significantly earlier than everyone else. And 12 bowl-eligible players have decided not to participate in the bowl in order to no. prepare for the draft. Is it just 12? It, it was 12 that I, the last I saw, but that was a couple days yeah. ago. I felt like that. I mean, uh, anecdotally, it feels like more than that. You're I talking mean, across the country, right? Yeah. I mean, it's Will yeah. Greer we know. Nikhil yes. Harry, obviously, close to home. Right. Um, there are a number of Justice guys. Hill at Oklahoma State, I know. Um, yeah, I mean, there's 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 a number, and they're probably Ed Oliver, obviously, very notably. Um, you know, first round pick prospect. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, we could we could talk both of those things. So I guess spring practice we could hit on first. Um, you know, I I think it's one of those. I read the rationale for it, and it's like light bulb went off. Like, man, why haven't we been doing this before? You know, you you practice earlier. You're not interrupted by spring break. Um, if guys get injured, they have more time to recover before the season. Uh, and you can, I mean, not many programs can do this because quite honestly, Michigan and Ohio state, those type programs, they can't have spring practice in February. We can't, that's the beauty of being in Arizona. So I, I think it's a genius idea and I'm not sure why no one ever thought of it before. Is there a concern at all to you that you're putting too much distance between the times that the coaches can have contact with the players or am I just saying something that's pretend because we all know that there are voluntary practices <laughs> yeah. with strength and conditioning coaches that everyone's going to watch and attend mandatorily? Exactly right. Yeah, I, 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 that's why no, it's not. Um, because I, I think, you know, there's there's still ways to, you know, have that contact, uh, you know, whether it's it's through, you know, meetings and stuff like that, whether it's through, you know, player organized workouts that, that you know, will certainly use the playbook and, Hey, let's get this done. And uh, I mean, no, not really. Uh, you know, it's it's a it's a one or so month difference. I mean, you you know, even when you end in mid April, you still got four months between that. You know, three to four months before you start. You know, preseason practice. So you still got time there. Uh, you know, I I mean, the injury factor to me was one of those. As soon as I read it, I thought, man, that's that's really a good point. You know, guy guy has a you know, a knee injury or something. Oh God, you, you just gave him a, a month and a half more to rehab before preseason practice than he would have had otherwise. So, uh, you know, and again, not a lot of places can do that because of weather, but Arizona, you can, so might as well take advantage of it. It's a good, it, it's a good idea. You know, why not try it and see what happens? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I'm intrigued by it. It's, unusual um you know i mean we'll we'll finish spring practice before the basketball season finishes but uh you know i'm i'm intrigued by the idea yeah and then, yeah the bowl games uh guys sitting out i mean i think you know we discussed this a couple years ago when when fournette and mccaffrey were kind of at the forefront of it and and i think some people thought well it's uh, just isolated incident they're running backs uh their top 10 picks no big deal well it's it's becoming more and more of a trend. And well, I mean, you I mean, saw it with Miles Jack and, and Nick Bosa, you both did. with the, you well, did. I got hurt by the time I rehab got everything. Hurt. I'm not, yeah. you know, I don't want to risk making it worse. Yeah. 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 And, and I, like, I don't have any problem. I mean, I think, I think we have to understand that, you know, 
these players are getting they're they're not stupid and and they're getting advice and they're seeing what other other things happen um and you know it's it's a bowl game it's an exhibition i mean i read somebody i can't even remember who it was i read some you know well you know what's to prevent guys from just sitting out every game because there's not something on the line there's there is something on the line you're playing i mean will greer up to the last game of the season was playing for conference title if they would beaten oklahoma they were in the big 12 title game there is something on the line well and, and how about this do you want nothing on the line do you want to know what it is Maurice Claret and Mike Williams. That's why you right. don't sit out every game. Exactly. Because, exactly. I mean, it's, yeah. it, there's these extremes that get thrown out there. But yeah, that's a great point. Didn't Mike Williams certainly, you know, did not work out that well for him. He got drafted in the you know top ten, but his career did not take well, off. And, by any means. Well, and we've gotten smarter as football fans, and organizations right. have you know improved obviously leaps and bounds ahead of fans. That's not right. going to happen again. You don't get to it's sit not. out a complete season. You know, no, guys who not. guys who tear their ACL at the end of their junior year and try to play, you know, right. at the, you know, try to do the senior bowl and come back and go get picked in the sixth round, seventh round, right, or go exactly. undrafted. Exactly. Yeah. 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 I mean, you know, you only get so many games. I mean, college, as we, you know, we let off talking about how quickly the college football season goes. Somebody's not going to sacrifice their whole year just to stay healthy. I don't see that happening. I think that's an extreme, but you know, one extra exhibition game, which is essentially what it is. It's an exhibition game. Uh, yeah. I mean, it makes sense. Uh, the, you know, the, the people who are reacting to Will Greer like to know how many of those people could tell me where the camping world bowl is even played. Yeah. I, I'm because pretty sure it's Florida, but I yeah, don't, you're right. It's Orlando. <laughs> Um, you know, but it's it's at the Citrus Bowl, but it's not the Citrus Bowl. It's another game that they, you know, that used to be the Champs Sports Bowl and was the. I, I mean, I had to look it up. I didn't know. Um, so you know, yeah, it makes sense, and I believe that we're seeing the seeds planted. It's not going to happen soon by any means. I'm not projecting. I'm not one of those people who like at the World Cup says soccer is going to be the biggest thing next year. But we're seeing the beginning seeds planted for the Bulls going away and an expanded playoff that will encompass, that will be the postseason. That will be, you know, 15, 20 years from now, I think we might not see bowl games anymore. All right, we're going to transition now because I think that's a big and important point to end on. It's a good prediction. I have an observation for you as my okay. transition little – this is my little interstitial transition. Okay. You shave Ike Barinholtz's head. You put a tattoo behind his ear, and he looks like Baron Corbin from WWE. Um, yes, that's true. That's my that was my observation for the week. I got gotcha. you. Let's talk about Bobby Hurley's twentieth ranked ASU Sun Devils. Uh, ASU lost their first non conference game in a year and a half, falling in Los Angeles to Nevada, seventy two to sixty six. The Wolfpack rallied from being down twelve at the half. Trailing yeah. by more than that at times in the first half uh, yeah. to just rout ASU in the second half. Kimani Lawrence was in foul trouble. Um, everything that was working well in the first half seemed to abandon the yeah. Sun Devils. They weren't passing the ball as well. The defense in the first half locked Nevada yeah. down, holding yeah. them to 24 points. They gave up 48 second half points. Yeah. I don't think this is a bad game. I think this is a no. great game. I think this I is either. a 
I, I think what we saw here is that 7-0 and start, that Mississippi State game, that wasn't a fluke. And if the defense, nope. can, if, if the defense can get locked down, sure, you know, sure. this can be a really special season for the Sun Devils. I agree, yeah. I mean, if you, if you told me before the game that uh, – you know, Remy Martin would, and Rob Edwards would, would both play, but combined to go one for 15 from the field. Um, that Kamani Lawrence would be limited to, what, less than 20 minutes because of fouls. Oh, 11 minutes. He played yeah, 11 so, minutes. Yeah, just barely over 10. Um, I probably would have said, boy, we might get run off the floor by a top 10 team. And, you know, we were in the game until the very end. It's disappointing that we couldn't hold that lead. Don't, don't get me wrong. There's no moral victory. I'm not, you know... I'm not claiming I'm not a Suns fan here. Well, we were close, so that's good. But it is good. Um, I mean, we, we were not outclassed by any means against a pretty good team um, that, you know, is deservedly ranked at the top ten in the country, I think. A very experienced team, too. You know, I mentioned, I think, last time they start five seniors, so. And they went on you know, a deep very, run in last year's tournament. They're used right, to playing right. in that's they're used to playing 16. in neutral sites at awkward you know, times. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a good team, and we were right there with them. And, you know, do you have to win those games eventually? Sure, but it's December. You don't have to win them in December. Um, and last year is an example of a team that, you know, probably could have used being knocked down a peg in that non-conference season, as great as it was. And it was. It was a great run. But I think, you know, after the Kansas game, the feeling was we could do no wrong. And then we, we faced a little adversity when conference season started and we didn't ever really bounce back from it. We, we just kind of puttered through conference season. We never found our rhythm again. And so I'm, I'm not upset. Like, you know, you're going to lose. Nobody's going 30 and 0. Um, losing in this fashion to a team like this is not reason for panic at all. Um, in fact, hopefully it's, it's something you can get better from and realize things you have to do better to win games like this as the rest of the season unfolds. And hopefully you get another chance at top 10 caliber teams come March and you're ready for it. Obviously they, they have a looming date with the current yes, number do. one team in the country, the Kansas Jayhawks. Yeah, sir. Yeah, um, yeah. be a fun one. Before we jump ahead to that and we'll get into a broader preview of that game next week. Yeah. Um, some of the key things to take away from the game, ASU shot five of 20 from three and 17 yeah. turnovers. Uh, you mentioned Remy Martin's tough night shooting. Uh, he still didn't look great, right. but he no, played, he, he played 29 minutes. Rob Edwards played 14 and Mickey Mitchell played eight. Um, so all three injured guys came back that squeezed, uh, Scheibel back out of the rotation. Yeah. Uh, Zylan Cheatham. 13 points, 10 boards, 4 assists. Lou Dort, uh, 24 points of, on 9 of 19 shooting. Mm-hmm. No one except for Martin was particularly uh, strong at the free throw line. Cherry was 3 for 4. Martin yeah. 2 for 2. Lawrence 2 for 3. Uh, but only 17 total free throw attempts for the Devils. Um, they committed 25 fouls, turned the ball over 17 times, only had 13 assists as a team. Right. <laughs> So you read off all those numbers and, and you think, you know, if you didn't know the final score, you'd think we got beat by 25. Um, and so it's a testament to this team and, and, you know, that they were able to hang in the game, really control the first half. And, and you know, even though, yeah, the second half, uh, you know, was, was controlled by Nevada, 
still hung in the game all the way to the end, had some chances at the end to, you know, cut it to one score, didn't quite get it done. But, um, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, it, again, losing stinks and we lost and I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not happy about losing, but at the same time, I think this is one that you can hopefully gain things from for, you know, January, February, and hopefully deep into March. Nevada caught ASU with ten seventeen to go um, and then pulled away rather quickly yeah. from the 48-48 tie. Uh, but like you said, as it got down to the wire, I mean, ASU got down by nine points uh, at times, eight mm-hmm. points, managed to cut the lead to two, yeah. uh, even all the way down to one with two minutes to go but just never able to get back over the hump. Right, um, right, right. I mean, we were outplayed in the second half, and, you know, no shame in admitting that. Um, but, again, those are, the, those are the things that you hopefully get better from. Um, you know, look, I, I, I mean, last year's run was great through that non-conference season. It, it put, you know, we were the last undefeated team. We were number three in the country. It was awesome. But it also built a little bit of a false sense of security. I think in that team that like, you know, well, we'll always be able to just outscore teams. Um, we'll be able to score 90 plus anytime we want. It's not going to happen that way. And, and when we did hit a rough patch, we never came out of it. And so I, I hope that, you know, this is the type of loss and, and, you know, it might not be the last non-conference loss. I don't think it will be, but who knows? Maybe it will be uh, for this year that you get better from and you realize things you have to do better the rest of the year. Last year, you know, obviously we lost at McHale Center and then quickly right. uh, had things start going sideways. For ASU to yeah. avoid that now, they travel to Georgia on Saturday and Vanderbilt on Monday for their SEC road swing, both games on the SEC network, which you can get. On right. uh, UVerse and DirecTV. I'll be watching. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. That you know you can get the other conferences network to give you the broadcast of the game. Uh, and then that, of course, leads to the big showdown against Kansas. One personal gripe: uh, Matt and I will be attending the game. Don't <laughs> worry, we got ourselves in. Not That's a problem. Right. Uh, the problem I have is with ASU ticketing and and their decision making. Uh, Obviously, when you have a game like this, it's much like the Arizona game. You package it into your uh, mini plans, your half season and your full season ticket packages because it is a marquee matchup. What what you don't do when an out-of-state alumnus calls uh, the ticket office is swear up and down that you will not (laughs) full stop be selling single-game tickets uh, to the Kansas game. And then... After said alumnus has bought a pair of tickets for Section Z for the game, <laughs> released to the general public a myriad of upper deck tickets, including yeah. Section Z, uh, for purchase as a single game uh, ticket. Yeah, option. no, I so, agree. I mean, I, and, and I don't know what you think. Uh, I mean, I texted you this. I believe they overestimated demand. Um, it's it's a it's a big game. It is the Saturday before Christmas. Exactly. The date is not great. You know, school's out. um, And and so, you know, yeah, you have certainly have a ton of kids that are still around locally. 
but you're not in you're not in school. There's less sec to and and you know for for just average Joe and Jane fan, um, that's a busy time of year. You know you're getting you're getting ready for Christmas. It's your last minute shopping. I mean, what they always say, you know, don't go near the malls on the last weekend before Christmas because everybody's there. Um, you know, and so it's I think they overestimated demand. I think they treated it like they did football games you know like when we played georgia that year and well people will buy every game just to have that one i don't think that i mean now they didn't do every game but they did do the you know well it's only part of a mini plan you got to buy x number of games i don't think that demand is there first of all it's not football secondly it's it's uh it's not a great date on the calendar It's, it's okay but you know and it's good for you, you know, works out well for you because you were coming back for this time of year anyway. But, you know, would it have been a bigger date if they could have had this game two weeks ago or two weeks before, I should say, you know, this, this past Saturday? Probably so. Oh, well, if they right could have. Christmas is tricky. I mean, if they could have flipped the Kansas game at home with the Nevada neutral site game, yeah. I think they do it in a heartbeat. I think so, too. Yeah. I mean, if you could have put that on Saturday, December 8th, you know, school's still in, you know, it's at graduations this week, so you would have had a lot of people in town visiting. You know, that would have been a huge thing. But, yeah, I mean, you you know, you've been here uh, when you, you know, middle, uh, around Christmas time or through New Year's, you go around that campus and it's, it's kind of dead. Um, there's just not a lot going on. You know, summer is still some activity. you got summer schools. But, you know, from mid-December to, to early January, there's not much happening around the campus. And, so it's it's a tricky time of year, and I just I think they overestimated demand, and I think they realize that now, and uh, they should have known that all along. But uh, yeah, it's it's frustrating, and it's especially for you because you were specifically told they wouldn't do it. But it doesn't surprise me that they've changed their mind. I guess my issue is, don't say it will not happen. Right. Say, I agree. Say, be, give yourself the wiggle room. Be a little right. more political. We don't intend to sell single game tickets, but it's but we, possible we as it gets yeah. closer that we may decide to release a limited number. Okay, yeah. well now yeah. I'm making the exact same decision I made, which is I buy my tickets early right. because I don't know right. if it's a guarantee, but I'm not venting to my <laughs> half a dozen <laughs> listeners <laughs> about no, your poor choice i got you no i i agree i mean it's uh i you know i said it to you in text yesterday and i hate to say it but it is typical of asu um it, you know it just it seems like and less so maybe than it used to be but we still fall into those same bad habits things like this which are golden opportunities we've missed them sometimes and and you know this this is a great opportunity to you know, endear yourself to people, and you're probably not the only one. Let's be honest. Who said you know? Who called and said, "Hey, are you going to sell single game tickets?" No, we're not. And probably let's be, be even more honest. Some of those people decided, "All right, now I'm not going." Like for you and me, it was no, no, no doubt we were going to go regardless. But I'm sure there are some people who would have said, "Well, all right, you're not going to sell me single game tickets. I'm not going to six games. So I guess it ain't going to happen." Yeah. And I understand where those people are coming from. Clearly, that wasn't yeah. ever going to be a choice you and I made as we had this no, circled no. from the day they announced it two right, years ago. Exactly. But, but we're honestly, we're not the group that, that ASU basketball needs to endear themselves to. We're already 
on the bandwagon. We've been on the bandwagon when the bandwagon was nearly empty. With Herb Sendak and pictures. Rob Evans. And, <laughs> yeah, you know. Yes, <laughs> the the are, Christian you know. Polk era. <laughs> That's right. So we're not, we're not the target audience for a game like this. I mean, we are and we're not. It's nice that, you know, people like us and, and people who are even more diehard and loyal and go to every game and get to enjoy this. But the, the, the target audience needs to be people who are kind of, eh, should we go see ASU basketball? Ooh, they got a game against Kansas. You get them in the door for that and they think, man, that was a great time. Let's go back in two weeks to see Utah and Colorado. Things like that, you know, so you, you, this is this has got to be your attraction to folks who aren't otherwise going to attend another game, probably. Yeah. Well, and the other thing I will say, you know, you and I have both been consistent in this view. Yeah. Bobby Hurley has been great with scheduling. You know, yes. I know it's not all him, but you would hope that this sets up, you know, the home and home with Kansas – you might not get UNC and Duke to agree to home and homes, sure. but you know, I, I know he and his brother don't want to do games against right. each other, so we probably won't right. get UConn. UConn. But could yeah. we get some deal because of the conferences where we get to play someone big and UConn will come play sure. Arizona and we'll all sure. do it at America West or something you know. like that. Yeah, I agree. Or or you know, yeah, I mean North Carolina, Duke, those are those are difficult to get. But um you know, Louisville or Indiana or Michigan. I mean, those are these are programs that have won national championships, played for national championships recently. Uh, you know, like programs like that would get you. Certainly they're not Kansas, and you're not going to have a Kansas every year on your home schedule. That's just not going to happen. But, yeah. you know. I those, mean, to some those, extent we get that because we're in the Pac-12 and we play right. UCLA and Arizona. UCLA and Arizona, but – but those are, you know, those are kind of old hats. I mean, yeah, the Arizona game always gets a great crowd. Um, you know, UCLA, in, when they're really good, does. But I think a lot of times people are like, eh, whatever. You but know? to your point, but, though, that's what Indiana could be. You know, is, we're, we're is, probably yeah. not going to get Villanova, but right. Arkansas used to be Villanova. Maybe sure, we could sure. get Arkansas to come. You know, get some get some programs that are in that kind of second tier outside of the very elite, which is, you know, Kansas, Kentucky, Duke, Carolina. I'd say that's your, you know, that's your Mount Rushmore of college basketball, basically. Maybe you throw UCLA in there, too. Um, But, you know, that second-tier kind of program, Michigan State, you know, we got up here in football. I mean, how cool would that be if we get, you know, do a home-and-home with Michigan State basketball? That's a big-time program, been to a ton of Final Fours, you know, stuff like that, I, I think that's what you want to keep accomplishing. And and hopefully we will. Because, yeah, I mean, he's he's not shied away from scheduling tough. And I don't see that changing. Well, and if you could do – I'm not suggesting that you take Florida up on their offer that they made to UCF right. where you agree to right. a, a two-for-one. Two for one. But if you could get Michigan State in a, a three-way deal where you play home, home, and – the United Center or something yeah. that's that's just it's for them it's closer right. to them it's you know sure sure I don't think that's a bad idea at all yeah yeah I mean I know I know Ray Anderson said you know we're not we're not doing you know home and neutral anymore and, I, and that's that's fine I don't I don't have a problem with that like we did with Kentucky um, you know but yeah I mean I if you could do a three game set with a home home neutral 
and the neutral being, you know, a little bit more advantageous to that heavyweight program, uh, I certainly would hope we wouldn't say no to that. Yeah. I mean, I think that you could make a, a compelling argument that based on the way we recruit, getting back east for a game yeah. uh, at least every other year would be important. Whether Agreed. it be a Agreed. neutral site game at you know Madison Square Garden or Barclays yeah. or in Philadelphia. Yeah. Um, I mean, one that I would love to see just you know selfishly would be you know Georgetown. Georgetown's not a great program right now, but they they resonate because it's Georgetown. You got Patrick Ewing as the coach. I mean that you know to me that'd be fantastic uh, or, to you know go you know, play them and bring them out here. If you want to go crazy, it's a game that next year you might well lose given what they just did in recruiting, but Memphis. Yeah. Yes. I would love to see Memphis. I, you know, I've joked with you about that, that the, you know, the blue chips uh, reunion there, but yeah, I think that would be fantastic to, to bring them in. Um, you know, you, you've got, you've got some definite interest in that program now and they're well, going to have some really good players next year. And it's about advantageous home and home scheduling. And I'm sure they're going to do everything they can to take advantage of it too. But sure. say, We'll give you like for Memphis, we could give you a, a two for one uh, or a one one in St. Louis, but right. you're coming here next year. We're we're yeah. getting to market to the number one player in the nation. Right, right, yeah, James Wiseman. And yeah, yeah. I mean, absolutely. I I think that God, I'd love to go see that. I mean, that would be fantastic if we could get them. So, yeah. I mean, obviously, with with scheduling, every conversation has to come with the caveat that. It takes two to tango. You have to have a willing partner. You can't just sort of like we talked about with UCF football. You can't just call up a team and say, "Hey, we're going to play you." You're good with that, right? Um, you know, and so you got to have you know cooperation. But you know, if we can continue to build this program, and you know, we're in the top twenty-five this year, if we can get in the tournament, you know, that makes cooperation easier because yeah. now it now it res- now it means something to that opponent to play Arizona State, whereas in the past it was kind of like. Well, what do we gain by going to play Arizona State? Not much. Yeah, well, and that's the thing also. You know, when Xavier came to Tempe and got beat, right? that was an embarrassment for them and, and didn't do anything if they came in and beat us. In that, right, exactly. You know. Exactly, yeah. And so if we can, we can continue to make this program something that beating us means something, that's going to help your scheduling. Because, you know, uh, you know and it... Home and homes are tough. I mean, and more and more what you see in November and December are these neutral site tournaments, um, triple headers like we played in L.A. Uh, you know, there's a lot of a lot of teams that have gone, uh, schools have gone the Syracuse model. We, you know, we'll play some home games, we'll play some neutral games, but we're not going anywhere. Um, and so they're, they're challenging to get, but you, you keep trying at it and you keep trying to, you know, because the more games you could get like this, it's going to help your bottom line of trying to build this program. You're going to renovate the arena. You're trying to build excitement. You got to give people a reason to come out. And again, Kansas game is a reason, but you have to keep it up. Yeah. Um, and I think Hurley will do that. I would not be surprised to find out that we are going back to Vegas next year. I think that no, I think he likes that because that's where the conference tournament is. Sure. And just sure. Get, I mean, a, get a free game or two at that arena. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, it makes a lot of sense. And, and you know, it gives you 
a tournament feel too. You know, you're you're either playing with one day off or back to back days. I mean, that's that's what you would do in the conference tournament or NCAA tournament. So it, it kind of gives you that early feel of like, okay, we're going away from home. We're going to play two games in three days or three games in three days, whatever it is. That's that's why these tournaments have become so popular in addition to neutral site and all that, you know. But it, it's it's a way to kind of replicate that experience before you have to do it for real in March. Am I correct that we haven't been to New York since the Barclays tournament in Herb's last year? I think so. Yeah, I Yeah, cuz I just feel I like remember. there's an untapped because of his New Jersey connections, there's an right. untapped opportunity there to either go there or Philly, right. maybe you know, maybe you can get a home and home with Villanova. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah that'd be great. Yeah. Yeah, I No, I agree and I and I think you're right. I don't I don't remember being there. I know what it was 2009. We played that tournament at That's uh, where the Garden. we played Duke. Right, right. Trent um, yes, yes. Uh, when we had Botang, because I remember the you know Botang against Duke was kind of a, a focus, even though Botang wasn't a big part of that tournament or team at that point. He ended up being by the end of the year. Um, but uh, yeah, and then and then we played that that uh, double header there at Barclays that you went to, didn't you? Yeah. Or was that a different one? Yeah, yeah. that was yeah. the one I went to. It was with, Marquette. With ben was playing for yeah. LSU, right? It was Marquette, LSU, uh, NC State, ASU, I believe. Right, right, yeah. Yeah, you got to see Ben Simmons in his in his lone year of college. Yeah. Um, Where they got swept, and that should have been an indicator. Yes, they did. That, <laughs> yeah. And they uh, ended up finishing under 500 that year, I think, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I don't think so since then. No, not that I can... That just seems like a, a thing we would want to yeah. to investigate. Yeah, and I could see that happening. Now it is a it is a long trip, and I know you know Hurley's first year. He talked about how he thought they over over scheduled as far as um, trips east. And, you know, did we make three trips to the eastern time zone? Mm-hmm. One was to the Bahamas. Uh, you know, one, and we played in that Orlando tournament. I think so. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I assume you'd do that. Probably that'd be your lone trip that far i think he's tried to cut back on that and you know you see it this year it's it's uh you know one trip east to play these sec teams but otherwise it's vegas la had the trip scheduled to san francisco didn't end up playing the game but you know a little bit a little bit closer travel at least yeah it makes it a lot easier yeah Um, yeah but you know we'll see so the sec swing uh saturday monday setting yeah. up for the big showdown on the 22nd with kansas yes sir uh next week matt and i will be back we'll talk about what happened in the bowl game we'll for asu we'll look ahead to the other big bowl games involving teams that the nation might care about That's right. uh and obviously we will preview what i'm hoping is a top 20 matchup hopefully yeah between yeah, ASU hopefully and number kansas. one in the country they they need to survive Villanova on Saturday. Kansas has been a little shaky of late, uh, although Villanova's been shaky too this year. I think they lost tonight, I saw. Uh, but if they get through that one, they have one more game in between. But regardless of that, they'd be number one, I'm sure, still. So that's. I think both of us were hoping that would be the case, and, and it's, it's real close to maybe being reality. Uh, if you're looking to meet up with Matt and I for dinner before the game, uh, nothing is set in stone, but the Chuck Box might be a place for That's you to right. look. Um, That's right. You know, but we'll see. That you know, meal planning on trips back to Tempe for me is very important. 
That's right. That's right. In fact, we might do a little bit of that as soon as you, you know, hit stop here. Uh, so with that, <laughs> he's Matt. <laughs> I'm Ben. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast.